the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show as we head into Hour 2. Delight to welcome back to the show George Kaloff. He is the managing partner at the Resolute Group uh, Political Consulting and the president of Data Orbital. He is uh, one of the finest uh, political analysts in the uh, country. We are delighted he's here in Arizona and a friend of ours. He joins us regularly, sometimes on Fridays, sometimes on Mondays. Happy Monday, George. Hope you're doing well. Happy Monday to you, Seth. I was just remarking with the audience before you came on, you know, with Tim Scott entering the race, there's an interesting set of tea leaves to read there. Uh, Donald Trump put out a social media post praising his entry in the race, praising him. And then the second part of the post was a was a a heavy dose of criticism towards uh, Ron DeSantis. Unlike Ron DeSantis, you kind of get a sense of who might be a possible or a potential running mate um, if Donald Trump is or whoever praises other entrants in the race. You know, you can kind of read those tea leaves fairly obviously. But I was saying also that for all the uh, talk about from people, and some of them are my colleagues on radio, who say, you know, a Trump-DeSantis ticket would be their dream team, I just don't think it's something Ron DeSantis would even do. I don't know that it would be offered, and I don't think he would do it if it was offered. Um, so it kind of leaves you looking to who might be potential running mates for either of them. Um, I'd love your thoughts on all of that. And then the third thing I'll throw into this pot, I'm this boiling pot of water I'm tossing at you. The third thing I'll throw out is, you know, you do look at these polls of Trump over DeSantis. DeSantis, I guess, was planning to officially announce this week. These are awfully record-breaking large numbers, that Trump is beating him by. Now, I know national polls and I know polls don't mean a lot at this point in some respects, but they are historically unprecedented differentials, aren't they? They are. They are. As, as you said, lots to lots to unpack. Yeah, okay, I mean, we, so I threw a know, lot the, at the, you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the presidential field is more or less that. I, I would say that Senator Scott and Governor DeSantis probably be the final two entrants into this race and maybe save for VP Pence. Right. Yeah, and yeah, in yeah. terms of the people yeah. who we expect to get in, I think it's clear that President Trump is focusing his his anger and his um, animus towards Governor DeSantis. He, you know, and the polls show that he's the only one polling in single digits and all those fun things. I would also agree with you. I don't see a scenario where they are on a ticket together, whether or not it's going to be asked and whether or not someone would accept. Right, I, think it's just right. I don't think he'll ask it. I don't think he'll yeah. accept. Right, right. Yeah, I right. don't think the dynamic is such, but someone like Senator Scott and others, and, and look, Senator Scott, I think, is universally as well-liked. I think the question is not whether or not someone does or doesn't like him. It's a question of, okay, does he have, does he fit the party of today, right. and, and does he have a chance to win? Right. Crazier things have happened. Yeah. Um, but there is a very clear differential between him and the way he conducts himself and, and, and where the... Uh, you know, where the party's at. And, and on a final note, and again, sort of touching all this in a high level, it, it is, I think, record-breaking numbers. And, and I think in the polling that we have done in Arizona and that we've seen around the country, I mean, it is clear that President Trump has a very, very strong hold on the party. Now, with all the disclaimers that you mentioned, 
um, factored in, right? right. The, the national polls don't have a say in terms of that's not how our presidential right. race works, but national polls do give you a sense of yeah. where Republican voters yes. are, even if that, yes. that the presidential race pans out differently. And I'm not even talking about the margin. It's where his number is. It's not like it's a 30-point margin and they're at 40-10 or 45-whatever. Right. He's usually above 50, above 60 in some places. Yeah. And everyone else. So, like, that's the thing. It's more than half of the party. And again, with everything factored in. Yeah. And I mean, look, there's, there's not a single probably human being that doesn't know and have an opinion on Trump and Biden and all, a lot of these people in the race, which means that there's probably not going to be a lot of movement. So it's really going to come down to who gets more of their voters out. And then these last minute swing voters. And I, and I sort of articulated this last week. I think we're going to be talking about this a lot over the next coming year, year and a half. If the races end up being Trump Biden, are there, do, do the people that are, anxious about Trump, do they not like the direction of the country more than they are dislike for what uh, sort of how Trump conducts himself? Like, that's going to be the calculus for the independents that I think are going to end up swaying. What's your sense of that? I'll tell you my sense. It's only half of a cent. My sense is that there is a congeries of Republican consultancy chattering head types in Washington who uh, would put uh, their dislike of Trump above the direction of the country but maybe not the rest of the country. I, I, I can't say. I don't have as good a read on it as you. What's your sense of it? I, it it's complicated. I mean, I think it's, it's obviously very early. I mean, these people are historically late, late deciders. So the problem is that I think if you plotted it over the course of a chart on a daily basis, it would be as erratic um, as, as the stock market is in certain seasons and as, as up and down as the heartbeat. I mean, like on whatever metaphor you want to yeah. use, it would be all over the place because I genuinely think that people are conflicted. Yeah. There are those types of people, right? If you're just a registered Republican and you're the 80% of the party, you're going to vote for the nominee 85%. Like, that's just, it, it's easy. It's, we're talking about the 10 or 15% that, for our folks' uh, purposes here, are in suburban Chandler, suburban Scottsdale, Paradise Valley, as well as the independents. I genuinely believe those individuals are going to make a decision moments before they cast their vote. Okay. Moments before election day, moments before they turn in their ballot. And if the country's in a better position, and, and you know, you and I sort of tracked this even over the course of the yeah. last couple of years, yeah. right? The low point of Afghanistan, yep. and then things stayed really, really, really bad. And then what happened? That decision comes out, and that was, frankly, the 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 that and a couple of other things recuperated a slight bit the numbers, but his numbers have fallen back back away. I yeah. mean, like just in general, things in the country are in a really rough place. Does that though emotionally invoke? And I think this is something that we need to talk more about. Is there an emotional uh, reaction to high gas prices in the way that there is with some people an emotional reaction to Trump or things around that or to the abortion issues? That's my main question with these individuals. Like, yeah. What gets them more worked up? What gets them motivated? Or do they just get so fed up with everything they stay home, which is frankly not good for Biden, right? I mean, if these voters don't vote, those are the reason why the race changed from 16 to 20. Right. I, I, I think that's the right way to look at it, too, or at least that's the way I've been trying to look at it as well. You know, it's hard to see how anything actually happens that does a lot to boost Biden's numbers. I mean, there's any number of things that could happen to go badly and go wrongly. Um, but, you know, short of Russia saying uh, to the Ukraine, sorry, we withdraw, you sued for peace, and we consent to that, which I don't think happens anytime soon. Short of something like that, I I don't know what Biden could take a victory lap on. Um, does the economy automatically get better? That's not the way economists are looking at it right now, not, not, not reading their forecasting. 
and Biden is not going to become more, how shall we say it, stable and convincing and clear in yeah. his in, in yeah. his ability to talk and persuade people. I don't I, I don't think there's a scenario where there's a lot that helps him. And I think I think Robert Kennedy Jr. is going to take a bit of a bite out of him. I, I think there's enough there to take a bite. I mean, starting off in double digits is it's a, that's something that a lot of candidates wish they had. I mean, Robert Kennedy is doing better in the Democratic Party than a lot of favorites in the Republican, including Tim Scott and Nikki Haley and, you know, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy combined. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, look, there's, I mean, the Democrats are, in, they're not in a good position. It's just, I, th- I think the, the unfortunate calculus is in, on any given day, who's in a worse position, not yeah. who's in the good position. Yeah. And so there's a lot that's happening super wrongly, uh, to use this very technical phrase, yes, a lot yes. that is, is leaving <laughs> to be desired in the country, the direction of the country, the economy. But the problem is we also had a very difficult economic climate in November, yep. right? And so for a moment, gas prices went down. There's a little bit of a relief, but frankly... As soon as the strategic oil reserves, I, I would I would assume again I'm not a expert in this, but I would assume that the soon, as soon as those extra outputs ran out, then gas prices went back up. I mean Arizona. Yeah, I think two, I think you can do that once, and then it's uh, we've been exactly, here before. Exactly, but I, is that enough? I mean I, that's the thing. Is that enough for voters? Is that going to tell them, hey, I'm willing to deal with part of the baggage that I got in those four years, but I understand that the economy was better. COVID aside. And how much did COVID have a factor? I mean, yeah. I, I cannot, right. I cannot, you know, I don't think we can, we can stress enough. I mean, a once in a generation event like COVID had a factor on 2020. And, and oh. to always remind people, it was a very close race everywhere. Georgia, Arizona, Pennsylvania was, I mean, like every race was oh, close. Yeah. Electorally, it doesn't matter. The individual states, right. these were all fractional. These are talking about. Yeah, I know. A sneeze could change things. Yeah, no, right. Exactly. Right, right. Well, let me take a quick break and come back with you on. Uh, another thing of speculation I'm hearing more and more of, I don't know if you are, but more and more of this notion that Joe Biden may not ultimately be the candidate and not because he doesn't win primaries, but because he might take himself out, you know, like the way Lyndon Johnson did or 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 or, or a few examples in the past where we've seen Harry Truman, where people just decided not to run again, uh, in part because of what was going on in the country in the primaries. And how they handle the problem of Kamala Harris or Gavin Newsom. Can we talk a little bit about that? Let's do it. George Kaloff is my guest. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. George Kaloff from the Resolute Group and Data Orbital is our guest. George, uh, on the Democratic side, so I'm hearing more and more chatter, not more than that, but chatter that, you know, Joe Biden just may not, either he or the, the, the people around him will decide that it's it's not really a good idea for him to be the candidate in 2024. You know, an, Bobby Robert Kennedy Jr.'s dad got, in some respects, Lyndon Johnson not to be the ultimate candidate in 1968. There could be any number of reasons, but I think they have a real problem because I don't think anyone thinks Kamala Harris is a better candidate. But how do you jump over 
an African-American yeah. vice president of the Democratic Party to go for a white guy out of California. I mean, it, I think they've they've bought themselves a lot of problems with this race game they play. Yes, yeah, and, and frankly, they don't have, ironically enough, right now on the Republican side, we have a deeper bench. Yeah. Uh, they don't actually have a bench. Think about all the people that lost in the primary last time. I mean, Bernie Sanders is the reason why the entire machine on the left was like, yeah, we can't do with this because they didn't feel like he could win in a general election right. uh, and so on and so forth. And I mean, it, it, you know, we always take it for granted. They have as much infighting, if not more, on their side than we do on our side. Probably, yeah. I mean, you're seeing they, it with the Feinstein it. stuff. Yeah, sure. Exactly, sure. exactly. They just keep it under wraps more. You could see the way that AOC and Ilan Omar and others are talking about the debt ceiling. I mean, there's there's a lot of intensity there. Yep. But on the, like I said, on the other hand, you're, you, you have a point. Let's say tomorrow Biden's unable to run for whatever host of reasons. I mean, there's a lot of time, by the way, right? Yeah, I mean, the first sure. season until January. So there's a lot of runway. But who, who do they go? Yeah, did they go with Kamala Harris? I mean, I'll just be frank. I mean, her campaign was a, was a again, to use another technical word, phrase, hot mess. Yeah. Let's go around. I mean, yeah. did, they, did they really go that route? Gavin Newsom, I mean, he's the governor of California, for God's sakes, and he is he is a very tough pill to swallow. Who else? You know, Pete Buttigieg, like, they, they just don't have that stardom, star power, that's just ready and waiting. You know, they go Bernie Sanders route. Do they bring back Hillary Clinton? I mean, like sincerely, like where do they go? Like, there's not a lot of really good options. Everyone has a lot of baggage. That's the ironic thing. You know, everyone deals with baggage. I mean, that's the problem. I think this is where people are just generally, you know, they feel fed up. They're like, all right, well, like, what's my? I don't want the the least of the two bad options. What's my amazing option? You know, and and we know that obviously on our side we bring actual solutions and truth and all kinds of things. You know, the Democrats they'll, you know, feel goods that, that they, they sometimes can get away with. But who is that messenger? I mean, the reason why Joe Biden won last time is because he delivered in a way that's the most palatable, palpable to, to the most people. But the rest of their bench, I don't think anyone comes close. And again, I'm not saying that Joe Biden's obviously been anywhere near a good president, but he was at least a decent candidate for the dynamics of the country. At the time, in COVID yeah, and all the, the rest, time. yeah. You know, there's an interesting column I read in the Wall Street Journal today by Gerard Baker, uh, Wall Street Journal. He's actually British, but sometimes people from outside the country can see us a little bit better than we see ourselves. And I thought he made an interesting point about DeSantis um, on his fundraising calls he's been doing. And he's been making the case that he's more electable than Trump in a general election. And Gerard Baker made an interesting point. He says he's going to need to do better than that, even if it's true. He says uh, it's a lot like saying, I think the country need X, but I also know that my views are so outside the mainstream, I'd better vote for Y. And people don't think that way, that the, the, the approach that I'm the more electable person has very far and few between success stories. You think he's right about that? I, I agree. I mean, think about it. How often is that? I mean, name me in the last, I don't know, since 2016, even including 2016. That was the argument Ted Cruz made with yeah. Carly Fiorina. Yeah. That was the argument others in the primary. Made. Everyone, yeah. That was the argument yeah. people made in 2020. That was the argument people made in the midterms. Bush over Reagan. Canada. That was Bush's 1980 uh, plan against Reagan, you know? Yeah. Right? Electability, yeah. to me, what does that scream? It screams oftentimes, I'm, I'm just... I'm just safe enough for everyone to be okay, but no one to be excited about. Yeah. That's what I think yeah. people hear. Yeah. I think we need someone who gets a lot of people excited and, and does minimal turning off of other people. Not, yeah. I am, I am sort of, you know, I, I'm, I'm milk toast to the point where, where everyone, again, and I'm not saying, I mean, DeSantis obviously is not milk toast, but right. the idea right. of electability, that is what, that argument, that's what I think people 
in their minds get invoked. And again, it has not worked on our side because no. the primary electorate elects people. I don't know how much we're factoring in electability because, frankly, we don't, don't tend we to do that. Yeah, no, we don't. Yeah, we, we just we have don't. a lot of examples yeah. of how we have not done that way right. because people want. Like, I've said this for for months now. It feels like an eternity. I've been screaming it to anyone who will listen. People want someone to feel like they that if we're in a fight, because we are in a fight for our country, yep. that they have their back and yep. they're going to fight alongside them. And yep. oftentimes, when you don't, when, when you're screaming about, oh, I, you know, feel good stuff, it doesn't, it doesn't come off as if you're a fighter, even though I know almost everyone in that field, yep. you know, they, they're, in their own right, they could be fighters, but that's not the way that I think they're conveying themselves. I think you're right. I think that's right. You said something in the previous segment about Tim Scott that I wanted to chase back, if I could. You said something along the lines that, when thinking about would he make a good vice presidential candidate, you said, does he represent the party of today? And that I'm hearing that conversation, too, going on, that is, is, is his brand of republicanism kind of where the Republican Party is today. And I wonder how I, I if I'm misquoting you, I'll let you I'll let you flesh it out. But my thought was, you know, we tend to often pick as the leading as the leader of a ticket he'll often pick someone who doesn't exactly uh sure. touch his strum the same same strings let, let shall we say reagan picking a bush bush junior picking a cheney uh trump picking a pence we often tend not to do that but how strong of an issue is that is the party changed yeah. is the calculus changed yeah, no, I, uh, to clarify that point, I made that point relative to does he have a chance to be president and okay. to be the presidential uh-huh. nominee. Okay. I would agree with you, right? I mean, Pence was the perfect complement yeah. to, uh, to to Trump. Remember Sarah Palin and why John yeah. McCain? No, yeah, time, she needed to bolster that, right? the right. I mean, there's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many examples, Carly Fiorina and yeah. Ted Cruz, right? Yeah. She, she, you know, she brought the female sort of perspective I to it. Frankly, Joe Biden, yeah. you know, being be, being a white you know, white guy. Yeah, 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 old white man. Years, yeah, right? yeah. Kamala Harris. So, no, there absolutely is that, which is why, you know, my, my point was, does he have enough to become ah, president? Okay. I, I don't I don't know that he that he does, because I'm not sure that he speaks in the way. And I'm not, I'm not saying he speaks incorrectly, by the way. I just don't know if he speaks in the way that a majority of Republicans right. are willing to right. accept or what their perception, I should say, what their perception is of the way that he speaks. But he is, I believe, universally well liked. And yeah. someone who anytime I've heard him talk, I mean, there's, there's not a lot. I mean, again, he's a person of faith. He speaks about his amazing story and, and how he got to the U.S. Senate. Um, there's not a lot of people that have issues with him. But that almost, I mean, I, I, I know it's weird to say it like this. We're almost in a time where it's like, you, you, like if you're not upsetting a whole swath of people, like you're, you're not causing enough <laughs> ruckus. I don't know. It's, it's a very weird. <laughs> it's a very it's weird dynamic now. we're in. It's unpredictable. Yes. I get yeah, you. I get you. Thanks for thinking it through with me, George. I appreciate you so much. Absolutely. Lots to keep unpacking over these coming months. We'll do it together. Thank you. George Kaloff from the Resolute Group and Data Orbital. 602-508-0960 is our number. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Threats to our financial freedom and stability are growing. Russia, India, Saudi Arabia, Brazil, China, they're all conducting international trade in local currencies, not the U.S. dollar. Rising interest rates and bad loans are exposing the banking system, causing failures. The Biden administration is sending hundreds of billions abroad while depleting our strategic oil reserves and ignoring crumbling infrastructure here at home. However, 
The biggest financial threats may be coming from within. Central bank digital currency is real. The patents have been filed, and the big banks have released plans for implementation. The vets at Midas Gold Group see devastating implications. The end of financial privacy, big government able to see your every purchase, the end of cash. Could there be ties to social credit? Own private currency, gold and silver. Now get free silver just for asking the Midas Gold Group how you can use your retirement to own physical gold. Call Midas Gold Group today, 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. MidasGoldGroup.com. Dave is in surprise. Hello, sir. Glad to speak with you again, teacher. You bet. Thanks for calling back. Sorry, we had to uh, only have a short segment earlier. No, I, no, I understand. You got to pay the bills, right? Get the big <laughs> yes, names on there. Yes. Speaking of which, I saw Mr. Weikert the other day on a television show with his new book. A very good presentation, and I always enjoy your segments with him weekly. Oh, thanks. So yeah, we'll have him. him uh, we'll have you him today. for spreading the word. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, uh, it was over the weekend. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, he'll, he'll be with us in a little bit. He'll be with us in about 20 yeah. minutes. Yeah. He, he's always got good stuff. Yeah. And I want to encourage your listeners to, uh, you've got some very sage advice. I was, I was fortunate to see writing on the wall when President Trump signed the CARES Act. And after the stock market crashed and then rebounded, I put all of my 401k money in gold and silver <laughs> 50 50. Um, because there's no store of value in the paper currency, yeah. as you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, Tough, it, tough it, stuff. It's tough stuff. Well, uh, I've said for a couple of years, I think we're in a full-fledged economic de- depression at this point. I, I see it when I drive through Surprise and, and Phoenix and Scottsdale every day. They're offering people $20, $22 an hour. It's incredible to see. In it's an incredible thing. I, I see it, too. It just It's jaw-dropping. It's jaw-dropping. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you recall that the day they... I'm going to say stole the election from us, the electorate, on November 3rd when Fox announced while people were still in line that Arizona had gone for resident Biden puppet. Gas, I paid 157.9. I paid the other day over five bucks yeah, a gallon. It's over five. So here. inflation is not at five percent. I'm not sure who's drinking that Kool Aid, but right. it's not anybody in my circle. Right. 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 So, yeah, I, I wanted to expand a little more on the the dystopian future that I see in front of us are actually the present um, and how they're erasing all of our cultural norms. I used to think it was just the Democrat Party, but now I think it's it's both parties. I think it's our psychopathic overlords that I think the way to introduce their new utopian system is for us to buy into the delegitimization of all of our historical institutions. What, what's your thought on that? Tell I mean, me more. Tell me more. What, br- tell me more of what you're driving at. Well, it, it started out with a family years ago. You know, you want to separate the family. You want to convince mothers that they should be on equal terms with men. Men are not hunters and gatherers. They don't need to protect the family. Women should get out there and put their kids in foster care, excuse me, in child care, and have this, this the government school raise their kids before and after school. And the, the woman should be out there earning tax receipts for the people in charge. And then after that, you know, then they attack the children while they're on their own. Yeah. Then they, they came back and they attacked the institutions of our of our government. You know, they made they made the the Congress a joke when they impeached President Trump twice mm-hmm. over a phone call. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's his duty as chief executive 
to ask people in foreign governments to look at things that are wrong mm-hmm. when they directly impact us. Mm-hmm. And the Biden phone calls in 2019 were exactly that. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, they went back to 2017, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then they attacked the courts and the police. We saw the damage that was done to our culture with George Floyd. And I used to say that, you know, I thought the Department of Justice would stand up, but then I revived that early in 2020. I said the DNC is corrupt, the GOP is complicit, the DOJ and all other three-letter agencies seem to be crooked as well. And now I think with the Durham report, everything that PSU said three years ago has turned out to be as pressing as my my friends and my group say I am. All right. Uh, It's distressing. All right. I understand the point now a little better. Thank you for unwinding it for us, Dave. Uh, I'll give you a response in just a moment. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Dave, you still with me there, brother? I am, and I need to apologize. I don't think I came up for a breath. Uh, no, it's fine. It's fine. I asked you I asked you to give me a comprehensive uh, explanation of what you were driving at, and you gave me one, and I and I and I appreciate it. Let me try and let me try and give my best thoughts to it, and I'll get you back here for a follow-up if you'd like in a second. Uh, first of all, It wasn't lost on me. I mean, this stuff is mostly, almost 90% of the time, random. But when we went out from your call, we went out, for those who have good short-term memory, we went out with the song, We're Not Gonna Take It, from from, uh, The Who, the Tommy uh, Tommy, uh, 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 rock opera. We're Not Gonna Take It, Never Have and Never Will. That was 1969, about 54 years ago or so. Sometimes we play We're Not Going to Take It by Twisted Sister, a different song, 1984, about 40 years ago. The truth is we've been taking it, respectively, for 54 and for we have been taking it. It's another one of those lies, we're not going to take it, like never again is a lie. It's a lie we convince ourselves of. We have been taking it. And, you you, you know, you outlined, Dave, the the... The elements that build so much mistrust and so much doubt, and a lot of it founded on very, very good grounding. I mean, good reason to be distrustful and doubtful about our institutions. You know, I don't think people who break norms understand the damage they do. For example, just at one level, for example— when you see the kinds of things you read in the Durham report and the shenanigans that were going on in the FBI, McCabe and Schrock in the crowd, and you know, misusing their power in law enforcement at the Department of Justice, which is where the FBI is, or under, to change a political election, to persuade a politi- political election, I don't think they understand what what it means for them to get that short-term gain, because the truth is all conspiracies do ultimately get revealed and found out. And, you know, wherever you are on certain other conspiracies in this country or other theories of, of great magnitude, if you want to put it that way, you know, that kind of stuff lends credence to everything else someone may tell you that seems unbelievable. This is the kind of damage they do. It doesn't make you just see McCabe and Schrock. It makes you see the whole damn system. 
might have it in for you. So when people say, well, there were plants here and plants, I mean, any number of things leads to more and more cynicism and sometimes justifiably so. It's hard for us to take seriously the Democrats telling us or the left telling us that we're extremists or we're in the grip of delusion when we make the allegations that we make against the deep state, when they keep proving again and again and again that we're closer to right than they are, we're closer to the truth than they are. It's hard to take the left and Democrats seriously for blaming us not to listen to credible news sources with editors and, you know, established journalistic codes of ethics when they break them all the time. It's hard for us to take them seriously about divisiveness in this country when they are the ones who are dividing us. Yes, the family. Yes, the schools. Yes, this transgender stuff. Yes, all of this neo-Marxist stuff right out of Chapter 2 of the Communist Manifesto. Yes, an easy line to draw between what George Orwell was talking about in 1984 and today. An easy, clear line that shows it not to be a dystopian novel so much as what looks to be like a how-to manual, a policy and procedure manual. And then they throw up disinformation boards, and they throw up censorship, and they lie about whether they're changing stories through social media or pressuring social media or censoring other credible newspapers. They lie about all that stuff. And then they wonder why there's division in America, why there's cynicism in America, why there's anxiety, why there's trust in, again, conspiracy theories or surprisingly strange political phenomena, however you want to put it. They drive and cause all this. And I think part of the problem, obviously, is a left that has been running riot through our institutions. But part of that is the problem of the Democratic Party, too. And maybe it's mostly the problem of the Democratic Party, because the left is their engine, just as the right is the engine of the Republican Party. And there haven't been many adults in the Democratic Party of late that I can think of. There used to be adults in the Democratic Party. There used to be adults that would kind of keep the pressure valves on this kind of crud. I mean, remember, everyone likes to talk about you know, the riots of 1968 at the Democrat convention. They weren't riots of the right. Those were riots from the left because there was an adult in the room named Hubert Humphrey. And, you know, he may not have been the, uh, he might not have been the most uh, sedulous, uh, attend, uh, sedulous obeyer of civil liberties, but a, may- a mayor of Chicago who had common sense, kind of an Ed Koch type. These were adults. The last adult I can think of in the Democratic Party, they ran out of the Democratic Party, Joe Lieberman. They ran a primary candidate against him, Ned Lamont, I think his name was, who beat him. And so Joe Lieberman had to become an independent. Now, I know when I'm not asking you to support Joe Lieberman. I'm not asking you to have Democrats be Republicans. They are Democrats, after all. But they were adults who cared about the culture and didn't have a lot of truck with nonsense or the left. And when the left started getting rid of the adults, then you knew you were about to inherit the wind and we have inherited the wind. 
what more can I say off the top of my head, Dave? I mean, I, I, this this is the responsibility of the Democrats. It really is. But they're it, not going to police it, themselves. We're going to have to do it. And I and and we have our own problems. We we've got some real problems. Well, I think we've got challenges for sure on our side, and and, and I think we'll get through that. But I, you may remember when they started the first impeachment of Donald J. Trump in October. I started really waking up, and I started digging, and I read a book that changed my life and my perspective with respect to pop culture, uh, culture itself politics, which is downstream from culture, right? Uh, and and I, I, I offered this to you then, and then in my famous February letter that I wrote to you at 2 a.m., because I couldn't sleep, it was just killing me, that the Democrat Party ceded their power to pick a number, 12%, 8%, 20% of the overall population. It was AOC and, the, and her band of four the most regressive members of our society. And they did it purely for power reasons. And I believe that they influenced the elections enough with the other military industrial complex, the people in the media to either swing the votes or steal the votes and and deny us our voices. And that's what happened in 2020. I hear you. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate you. We'll be right back. Welcome back, folks. You do think about the economy and the banks failing and the stock market and the inflation, gas prices, possible recession coming. Why Refi has an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate return not correlated to the stock market or the Fed, a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure and collateralized portfolio. Why Refi is local. I encourage you to stop by their offices on the 101 in Scottsdale Road. I've been there a few times. I can tell you, you won't get a sales pitch. You won't be asked to sign a thing. They just like talking about what it is that they do. Leave the selling up to me. When you meet with them, you'll see why I trust them and like them so much, and you can too. They're a great team over there. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm, and you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI-34. 888-YREFI-34. Mike's in Phoenix. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Good. I just wanted to address a couple of things. First of all, I have to tell you, a couple of days ago, you were talking about the culture of lies, and it struck home extremely deeply. And I'd like to talk to you about that a little bit. But your conversation just now brought something up that reminded me, and it's just stayed with me forever. You know, we're really upset, and I am upset with the liberals and the left and everything else. But to be honest with you, I've reached, I'm a lifelong Republican. I'm so old that I worked on one of Barry Goldwater's campaigns. Uh, I've lived in Arizona all my life, fifth generation Arizona, and I'm to the right, uh, I, I believe, in this country. But I feel like that we've been sold out by our own people so many times, and, 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 I, and I'm not defending Donald Trump. Donald Trump has his own problems. I'd vote for him again, probably, but he has his own problems, and he brought on some of the hatred towards him. But when we have our own people in our own party 
do the things that they did that subtly undermined him. It makes you understand that they're more in love with the institution and the network that they built than the country. And I'm going to give you one example that's bothered me forever and ever, and now it's really coming out. John McCain, at the time Donald Trump was there and was having trouble with the Russian investigations, was on the Senate floor handing out the Steele dossier. He was absolutely promoting that, only for his own, because he was personally mad at, at Donald Trump. And should he be? Of course he should be. Donald Trump said a horrible thing to John McCain once about, I like heroes, not guys that get shot down or something. But I would expect John McCain to step above that and think more about the country. So he, for number one, he tried to undermine own president. And then to stand on that Senate floor and walk up and defiantly make the vote that sunk the Republican health care bill, would turn my stomach. And I'm not picking on John McCain. No, Mike, I, I, I don't think I disagree. Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think you're on to something important here. Um, we had a short segment. I'm going to ask a favor of you because I have a guest coming up. Would you call back tomorrow and, and we'll yeah, spend a little more time on this? I, I will. It's a I perfectly it. valid set of concerns and thoughts that I would love to ventilate with you. Thank you, Mike. I'll I, talk to you. Thank I appreciate you. your patience, sir. Thank you. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Brandon Weicker coming right up. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.